Let's begin by talking about career aspirations. Miranda, as you know, Brittany and I want to be actresses. So where do you see yourself in 10 years? I would like to be a doctor because I think it is a good thing to help society. I would especially like to help the poor. Okay. Randa, that's really sweet. But in America, doctors don't help the poor. And I hope you're not implying that actresses don't help society because they often attend charity events and, you know, appear in films that have important social messages. Welcome to part two of our Pretty Persuasion episode. But before we go into real talk, it's time for PP. No, not Pretty Persuasion. We're talking about the patron Ew. pitch. <laughs> I know, I just thought of that. Uh, patron pitch. This is where we let our patrons know what they can expect on their exclusive patron feed. And we let non-patrons know what they're missing out on. Alex, we're going to start by thanking all those patrons that have already sent us their picks for uh, our upcoming patron takeover. I guess we can call it that. Just uh, as a way to celebrate that we've been doing this patron thing for a couple of years. We're we're letting every patron, regardless of uh, of tier, just pick one movie for us to do on the main feed. And for yeah. those that were already doing that, we're picking a movie for us to do a, a video review on. Thoughts, Alex? I, I, I know you haven't seen these coming in, but I told you it's happening. I'm excited. A lot of times this results in something new for me and i'm always excited to do that i imagine some curveballs will be thrown in so what do we got so far okay so these are just some of the movies that have come up and uh of course we don't know exactly when they're happening but we can tell you for sure they're happening uh and alex right there at the top of the list a movie that we've mentioned either on an after hours or on a main episode but uh paris texas at 94 percent excellent <laughs> that's a movie that we if i'm not mistaken we both own but mm-hmm. haven't like even Taking it out of the wrapper. Uh, I watched it for the first time recently, a month or two ago. So um, it has been cracked, and I'm looking forward to revisiting it. All it's right, a good cool. movie. Mine, mine hasn't yet. Uh, so that's for the main feed, along with uh, a zero percent tomato meter movie called Dark uh, Crimes. <laughs> oof. And then uh, on the video side, uh, in this one, I will reveal it's from uh, our friend Paul, who's a big DC fan a big fan of dc animation uh he wants us to do a dual quick video review of teen titans go to the movies uh, which is a movie i haven't seen but i've heard it's really funny i've heard it's even uh do for, i have to do this uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> i kid <laughs> i kid committed and, and this I one know. should be fun i was about to say even for people like us that are not really that hot on the on the dc movies uh i mean you you're not even hot about the marvel movies but I, I think this is it's supposed to be very, very tongue-in-cheek uh, from what I remember. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And there's more patrons. If you haven't sent us your pick yet, just do it either through the patron page or tweet at us or email us. You know how to do And And if you don't do it, I'm going to reach out and ask you directly. <laughs> so uh, start thinking about that. What was the zero percenter called? I think it's Dark Crimes. Yeah. Oh, that Jim Carrey movie. Yes. Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. Have you seen it, or or is it just... No, I know about it, yeah. Okay, Uh, that's from Nerdrovert. Now, as far as the main feed, I'm going to start with uh, the the ground floor, the Travolti's tier. You guys are getting, uh, like every month, you're getting access to our cutting room floor clips. Just recently, we put up the stuff from our Psycho episode, uh, which, did you remember, Alex, that we 
you did a comparison between Psycho and Cannibal Holocaust. No. <laughs> yeah, well, you did. <laughs> I imagine it was saying that Psycho was good and Cannibal Holocaust was bad. <laughs> well, this was during Contrarian's Corner, I think. So oh, okay. It's, it's a little funnier. It's, it's a little more out there than that. But yeah, that's you can find that kind of stuff uh, on the kind of room floor bits. Uh, and also... You guys will have access to our bonus patron episode for this month, picked also by Ben Murray, who gave us pre-persuasion for the main feed, and he's giving us the negotiator for the patron feed. Sam Jackson, Christopher Plummer, a bunch of other character actors negotiating, I guess. Who is the negotiator in this movie? I guess we'll find out when we watch it. We'll find out. Uh, now... Moving up a tier, Winonis, and up. You also get our pre-recording notes. Alex, I've stopped using my rocket book. I'm not giving up on it completely, but I sometimes I'm watching movies and I'm just kind of like, I'm not sitting up properly. I'm just more like lying on the couch. And the, I, I've realized that in order to use the, the rocket book the way, you know, where it looks good, I have to be sitting up and, you know. Mm. So it's a lot easier to just use a little notebook. So the last couple episodes I've been just, I've been going back to the standard notes for me. Yours always look the same. Very uh, emotional. <laughs> Scribbled. Yeah. Now, as far as QVRs, quick video reviews, Brandon Curtis, you'll be happy to learn that we finally reached a decision as far as mm -hmm. <laughs> which movies. He gave us seven movies to pick from, and uh, Alex has picked the movie Kaithi, which I, I guess you'll tell us what it's about <laughs> once you do the quick video review. <laughs> Yeah, he just sent us basically a list of movies with their release date, no, no real synopsis. So going in background blind, looking forward to it. Yeah, and I am going to do the movie Master from 2021. Yours is from 2019. Yours is uh, two hours and 27 minutes minus two hours and 59 minutes. Standard. I, I just want to be able to say something comparing this to the PTA Master. That's really <laughs> the only reason I picked that one. <laughs> That's all you're uh, going for. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Contrarians After Hours. That's the spin-off show where we talk about other things that we're watching, reading, playing, listening to, thinking about. Uh, Alex, what are we doing for After Hours this time? What, what are you bringing to the table? Well, Julio, before bed last night, I watched a new documentary on Netflix, like brand new. Um, that had been recommended and just looked appealing. The 85-minute runtime was definitely uh, enticing. It's called The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker, about a meme or a viral video that uh, got out there about this guy who turned out to not be as cool and fun as everyone made him out to be. <sighs> and the documentary kind of follows that. And um, I asked you to watch it as well before we get to it. Uh, because I think you would have similar thoughts on me. It basically is something that I enjoyed. It's an interesting story. I had no prior knowledge of it, but the I found the ending uh, from a narrative standpoint to be fucking infuriating. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see what both you and I think about that. But it 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 does provide some laughs and uh, it, in an uncomfortable sense, similar to the movie we're discussing here today. I'll be interested to see what you think about it. Eighty five minutes. How could I say no? I, I, yeah, I'm I'm on it, uh, and also Alex, uh, something else that we will discuss that we've both watched. Uh, I propose that we talk about The Last of Us because oh, yes. 
you know, we at least as of this recording, we both watched the first episode. By the time we record the after hours, the second episode will be out, and hopefully, we'll both get to see it. Uh, but at the very least, we're going to talk about the the beginning. I am not familiar with the game. I just know like very very little. You've played the game, so you have more to say on that end. But I'm 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 curious, and I guess might as well shout it out now. Uh, ben, who's like all over this episode, <laughs> Ben Murray, he is doing some sort of a review of each episode uh on youtube with uh with someone else uh, nice. i'll put the link on the on the notes i look forward to uh checking that out as well and then if we have time i haven't decided yet but i, I watched the movie x it's a horror movie from last year uh-huh. uh feel like that's the kind of thing that you might enjoy more than me but i ended up watching it anyway and, and now i need to talk to someone about it so <laughs> so we'll talk about it um, that's not one where you need to watch it before we talk, but after we talk, you'll probably decide if you want to watch it or not. My sister was less than impressed with it, so I, I, it went down my priority list after she gave me her review. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's longer than the Hitchhiker movie, but shorter than two hours. So if any of that sounds interesting, check out our page, patreon.com slash Contrarian Prime. Look at our tiers and see if you would like to join the Contrarian Supplements. $1, $3, $5, and $10 are respective tiers. Head on over to our patron check it out take a look around drop a buck in it'll give you access to the ground floor you'll be able to see what it is we offer there having access all the way back to our original bonus episode our in-depth conversation of blues warms color and everything since as we're talking about here obviously uh higher tiers get more content more uh more say in what it is we do so uh, for our current patrons, we love y'all dearly, and as I like to say, we are always taking applications for new ones. So, hope to see some uh, some of y'all poking your head in there and telling us what to do. And now, Alex, <laughs> now let's go navigate this minefield of a movie in real talk. The greatest thing about this country is freedom, and one of those freedoms is that anybody can sue anybody at any time over anything. And even if your case is completely unfounded and you lose, you can still tarnish someone's reputation forever. Went all right. I mean, this there's just a lot to this movie that I wasn't kidding. Like, I couldn't recommend this movie to someone without letting them know, hey, if you're triggered by, I mean, this racism, sexual assault, anti-Semitism. Eating disorders. Eating disorders. I don't know if I mentioned suicide already, but there's that, uh, you know, implied uh, animal abuse. Like, there's all this shit here that is heavy subject material, and it's done in the name of a comedy, which typically, if you can pull that off, that's something that's kind of up my alley just because I am usually in awe of people that can take stuff like that and make it uh, funny and engaging you know there's a lot of things that would be considered offensive aspects in hamlet too but i find that story so like enthralling and the characters so engaging uh, and enjoyable that you know it's become one of my favorite comedies and this uh not want to play my hand yet before we get through the quotes but i think there's um certainly some things to admire about what this movie goes for and some of how it's executed that's that's a hell of a double feature. Hamlet two and pre persuasion. You need a break in there. You need to watch like um 
shit. I don't know. The hangover? last action, last action hero or something. <laughs> um, well, let's let's do the quotes. Let's get the quotes out of the way. I'm gonna start with that uh, Tony Medley from TonyMedley.com. Here's another dude that has his name as the name of his website. God his bless URL. Yeah, several you call it a vanity URL. Um, anyway, he says. Mean Girls Meet the Crucible, a devastating portrait of a sociopathic teenager with a tour de force by Evan Rachel Wood. I like that. The Mean Girls Crucible crossover. I like that. And uh, we have done a Crucible episode. We haven't done a Mean Girls episode, but I feel like we reference it a lot. We do. And our patrons may sometime in the not so distant future get our full takes on Mean Girls. Uh, but that. Mwahaha. A tease. That'll, that'll come when it comes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Much like Jenna Maroney in this movie. <laughs> I'm glad that you went with Jenna Maroney and not James Woods. Oh, God. <laughs> God, it's so gross when he's like cleaning up. He he has like a Kleenex or something. He's talking to Rachel Wood and he's like dabbing <laughs> at his arm or his leg. He takes it out of his uh, robe pocket and then puts it back in there when he's done with it. Yeah. I think he cleans his mouth after Dude, like, oh, well, he's leaving God. the room. Anyway, next. Lisa Kennedy from the Denver Post says, Pretty persuasion is a nasty piece of work, yet it offers some varnished and amusing thoughts about American contradictions. Uh, I mentioned this to you before we started recording. <laughs> said, do you think that Ben, who uh, lives in England, do you think he... This is how he sees America? <laughs> this is... The movie that that symbolizes America best for him. Oh man, I'd hope not. I hope he'd be like T two or something cool. <laughs> uh, David Gilmore from Globe and Mail says, "Extremely well written in the fearless way of a smarty pants on a roll in the university cafeteria." Smarty pants on a roll in the university cafeteria. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I I, I guess. Have you had that experience? I mean, you know, you went to you went to college in a way that I didn't. You know, I went to film school, which is like a smaller I don't know that I ever had like a smarty pants at the cafeteria weaving the tail of something like pre-persuasion. Uh, but I guess those people exist. I guess, I don't know. I I was usually just focused on like food. <laughs> if you're at the cafeteria, it's to eat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or tell stories of the night before. Yes. And finally, I'm going to close with Jeff Otto from IGN Movies, who says, a deliciously viscous look at the evil that is the teenage girl. Chose that as a closer, Alex, because that is my, probably my biggest takeaway <laughs> from this movie. Uh, and something that I, I am wrestling with. And I kind of like, now that we're not in Contrarian's Corner anymore, now, we're, now that we're in real talk, I I found myself constantly, as the movie was going, whether it was making me laugh or not, I kept kind of like, not second-guessing, I kept trying to determine if it was a responsible portrayal <laughs> of teenage girls uh, as seen in the year 2023. And I'll, I'll explain, I'll elaborate in a minute, but... Uh, I mean, enough of those Rotten Tomatoes critics. We have something that's that's more powerful, more important than that. And that is the words of the person that actually demanded we we cover this movie. Yes. So 
he says, to avoid reinventing the wheel, here's what I wrote at the time I watched Pre-Persuasion. I can see how divisive and controversial this film could be. It's not afraid to deal with topics from sexual assault through to school shootings with Stone firmly in cheek. But man, there is something so great about this, I couldn't take my eyes off it. There is, this is high school satire done right, with absolute cruelty. The writing is brilliant, cutting, laugh out loud funny. The narrative device is compelling, the tonal shifts disarming, and the ending very unexpected. The complexity of the central premise, did a teacher abuses students, is treated with maturity, intelligence, and a surprising amount of belly laughs. Great performances all round, God help me, but James Woods, appalling human being though he may be, is so funny in this. Evan Rachel Woods is channeling Cersei Lannister decades before she would arrive on our screens. That's a Game of Thrones character, Alex. Uh, ah. The ultimate power bitch disguised as your best friend. We're all sinners. Well, yes, you're right about that. And this little-known film explores this idea brilliantly. But again, James Woods. I'm not sure how much of the dinner table scenes was scripted and how much was the director just saying, <laughs> James, how do you feel about the world? Uh, that is a logical place to go. If, if you've ever had the misfortune of wandering down the, the spiral that is James Woods' uh, Twitter feed... Then oh yeah, it, it's just inescapable. His latest thing, because I had to check, you know, after I watched the movie, I knew it was gonna come up, so I checked his his feed, and uh, he seems to be in a slightly better mood now because <laughs> uh, now that Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, uh-huh. uh, apparently he's seen his numbers, his followers uh, increase, you know, because apparently before Elon Musk. The, the kind of people that would follow James Damn Woods. liberals. <laughs> yeah. Well, before Musk, the kind of people that would follow James Woods were blocked or banned from the platform. <laughs> so Ben likes it. Ben likes it a lot. I can tell you that Ben likes it more than I do. Does he like it more than you do, Alex? Uh, I had forgot there's a movie that he doesn't particularly care for based on his letterbox review. I did not plan this. I just forgot about that because uh-huh. I, had, I had seen it when I logged my review. Uh, but my immediate thought when this movie was over is that Thoroughbreds is just a much better version of what this movie is trying to do. Ooh. And I think, you know, Thoroughbreds, like that's five stars, A plus, whatever the highest rating I can give is. I think that movie is outstanding. And I can hear him <laughs> grunting my way right now about that. Um he likes it more than I do. There's some really funny shit in it. I was like on board with like four star in it until the end. Just because you call out that the ending to your movie's lazy doesn't mean that it makes it okay. And the fact that she did all this just to get back at her friend because she took a boy, it was like okay. <laughs> did you see like, it coming? Like uh No. I thought she was just gonna be crazy. I thought the conclusion was just going to be, hey, I'm crazy. And she's a chaos agent. <laughs> yeah. Look on the bright side, Brittany. As an actress, whenever you need to feel pain, you can look back on this moment. I thought she was just going to be wanting to watch the world burn and everything else that Heath Ledger <laughs> says. <laughs> And for it to be revealed that you took Troy from me, bitch. So I did all this other shit. It was just kind of like, Ugh. or you could even do something like, 
Brittany shows up and tries to talk to her and she can't stop watching the TV because she's on it mm-hmm. and like is in love with it and doesn't respond until eventually like Brittany leaves and then the movie's over and it's just it's an upsetting ending because I really was like kind of on board with a lot of what the movie was doing. It does get to a point where it feels like it's being uh, gratuitous and shocking for the sake of gratuitous shockingness and but even still I was kind of like all right you know they're they're going all the way in with it like the Jenna Maroney love you mm-hmm. know uh, affair excuse me not love but <laughs> uh love scene there we go it started to fall apart i found it interesting i th- you know all the movies we referenced scream heathers mean girls uh in my case thoroughbreds like there's things that work in other movies and they really try to amp that up here. But like I said, the ending was just so deflating for me. I will say that while the acting in this is good and there's some really fucking funny things in it, it's a movie I watched and at no point during the movie had I was I not thinking I've seen this elsewhere. You know what I mean? We talk about that a lot of the time. We're like, you know, you could make the argument. No, two movies are exactly alike. But sometimes you'll watch a movie and you'll be like, this is just four other movies I've seen before put together. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not necessarily this movie's fault, but it's just kind of how my brain operates. Or you watch Emily the Criminal and you just think, yeah, I've seen Drive. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to work that in, as I will probably do. That'll become a reoccurring bit on here. <laughs> I found myself just kind of overwhelmed by this movie at first because I had no knowledge of it and because it wastes no time getting right into it. But like I said, by the end, and since there's been time, like I texted a friend of the podcast, Reed afterwards, like, you ever heard of this movie? And he said, no, it's like, it's on Peacock. You should watch it sometime. And again, for uh, someone like that, who I know they're fine watching film that has some questionable subject material in it. And it's an hour and 45 minutes. I'm fine recommending it to someone like that. Just, hey, check this out and tell me what you think about it. But for myself, the ending and having time to reflect on the ending, it takes something that I could really dive into and sink my fingers into of like, man, what is this trying to deconstruct? Or, you know, uh, it really succeeds here to becoming a movie that a dude wrote that didn't know how to wrap it up other than all women hate each other. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, I don't disagree with that I I mean I, I have a lesser problem with it I guess just because I think that I was almost really I was very troubled watching this uh, because I guess I may have found the line at least when it comes to me where the depiction of sexuality for you know with young people it, it actually makes me uncomfortable not that uncomfortable you know it, it's not that oh i'm being prudish about it but more that uh, let's think of this as a follow-up a, a spiritual sequel to our conversation in the patron channel about beautiful girls right and the that uh, you mentioned you know that that quote that natalie Portman had said that you know there was uh that she'd been trying to actively step away from movies that sexualize young women because you know there's too many of those. <laughs> and this movie rests on the sexualization of 15-year-old. I know it's a comedy, and I know it's... Uh, I guess it was a relief, in a way, when it was, like, about a dumb, like, oh, I'm gonna get you back for stealing my boyfriend. Revenge plot. Because before that, and even a little bit after, it felt like it was just... Uh, 
working a little too hard to make the point that teenage girls can be just as bad as grown men. And I don't know that we need to make that point. <laughs> that that was that was my entire like through the entire movie. I just kept thinking, this is not like I'm laughing and I can see I appreciate the way that the movie is constructed, and I appreciate some of the other things it's saying. You know, like pointing out the the hypocrisy of the, the school system and the of America in general. You know, and the portrayal of like James Woods at this caricature of an ugly, racist, ignorant American that nevertheless has a lot of power and a lot of like money and all that. You know, that that I'm cool with. But it's it's what that last quote said. You know, it's a uh, what they say like the danger, yeah, the evil that is the teenage girl. And I know that they're being again, they're being funny, just like the movie. But it's it's not far off. It it yeah. I mean, it's just. Uh, from the, I'm sorry, not I, that sounded like I was saying, yeah, teenage girls are evil. It's not far off, kind of from what the movie was saying. From the movie saying, right? Yeah. I mean, it is on that on that beautiful girls episode. I argued. I was like, I don't want us to stop telling stories to feel like you know we're to start censoring storytellers because some subject matter might be you know controversial or prickly or difficult to handle. You know, you but, can make election without making something like this. Yes, that's a good example because the election, you know, has a similar setting, has a similar character in a way. You know, the Reese Witherspoon character is very precocious and, and you know, and she is having sex with a teacher, but it never feels like. And there's the there's the scene, and not to cut you off, but it's just like it's in some ways more graphic than what we see here because there's the scene where Matthew Broderick starts fantasizing about mm-hmm. having sex with her. And it's like, continue, I'm sorry. Yeah. But, th- but that movie takes it seriously. That's the thing. And yes. it's, you know, she she cuts off, she handles that relationship in a way that seems, you know, mature. But even if she handled it in a way that's immature, you can feel that the movie, the movie acknowledges that she's a child, that basically, that she's, still, that she's a young person and that there are adults that are acting irresponsibly. Whereas like this movie... It just paints the adults and the teenagers as like, well, there's this power play and they're both on equal levels. You know, it's just, uh, I don't feel like it ever, yeah, it, it shows uh, Ron Livingstone and his buddy as like these looser creeps, but I don't feel like it ever condemns them just for the fact that they were adults and they should have known better. And then on the other hand, it seems to condemn Evan Rachel Wood and her friends uh, almost not truly acknowledging that they're really young and that they're like stupid teenagers, except for that moment where she becomes a stupid teenager for sure, and you know reveals that she did all this because she was jealous of her her friend, you know. But I don't know. I just feel like it's it's like a very murky uh, way that they tackled this this idea, and it was it was grossing me out. <laughs> you know, it it would make me laugh, it would make me like think, but then it also just made me feel gross and i was like there's there has to be a smarter way of tackling this and yes you're right that way is like election (laughs) or you know any other movies that are able to criticize america and american institutions and and adults and the american dream and everything else without resorting to having a 15 year old uh, be this power hungry manipulative sex spot (laughs) I don't know, man, too. And like, I have such like a thing in my brain, like 15 year olds are just the same as like 10 year olds. I know that's not the case, but again, I just, I have no concept really of 
because uh, I don't have kids and really any kids I'm close to. So, I, uh, you know, I went through, I was a kid at one point myself, but now it's just kind of like when you drive, you're 16, 17, 18, you know, that that's kind of one thing, but it definitely adds like this whole, to me, this gross sheen to it that, and I'm not saying it would make the movie much different, but even still like in my brain, if she was like an 18 year old senior in high school, it would still be gross. But the fact that it's like they repeatedly call out their 15, I'm mm-hmm. like, ew. As far as lapses in journalistic integrity go, I'd say that munching underage rug is a way the hell up there. Wouldn't you? It's weird because like, all right. So like one of my favorite things in the golden age of the Simpsons, um, I always loved about the Lisa character was, she was always really smart, obviously, and wise beyond her years, and all, you know would sometimes have to help her dad with stuff, and was admired in the community as this really smart, bright kid. And but then there would be these moments where you're still reminded that she, I think she's eight, yeah, Bart's ten and she's eight, mm. of just like things like bart calling her like lisa there's a nickel in the driveway or something like oh wow or like marge dinner or uh, breakfast is ready waffles ooh, waffles and like just acting like a kid again (laughs) i think the problem with this movie is there's not the moments that remind you that they're children they're just like these conniving manipulators and then so at the end when they're being like accosted and yelled at and shamed by the community for lying you have to remind yourself as a viewer, this isn't gone girl. This is like <laughs> these 15 year old kids. Like, I, I don't know. No, I think that it's, it's telling because if they showed her as a, let's say normal 15 <laughs> year old, instead of 15 year old that behaves like an adult, then the movie would lose you even harder. You know, like I, I sat through the movie and I, I, I laughed and I had a, a good time, even though I was troubled. But can you imagine if you actually had like a couple scenes where Evan Rachel Wood acts like a fifteen-year-old, like like a child, and then it would be too much. <laughs> then it would be you know a drama. There would be hard candy or uh, what's the David Schwimmer one? Um, uh, trust, trust. You know that kind of thing. It, it, so like the scene where, which I think is great, like from a you know, structure point of view and the way it pays off and the way they play with perspective. The, the scene when she's at the stand and the and Livingston's lawyer makes her read the letter or the the, the essay that she wrote and yeah. it cuts back and forth between the way she's reading on the stand, which is very innocent, and then the way that she either read it in the classroom or the way that Ron Livingston perceived she was reading it in the classroom. And then he goes, well, read it in a sexy way, and then Emma Rachel Wood has the moment where she looks like a child, where she's like, I'm sorry, I don't know how to read it sexy. And it's it's really cool, but of course, by then, you know that it's an act, so you don't really buy that innocence. I mean, I think it's a good performance. Yeah, and then, like, the, the judge is like, it's okay, you're just a kid. Yep. <laughs> and so then that really does become, like, a question of, like, okay, well, is the, the writer just saying that women are inherently evil at any age? Doesn't matter if they're kids or not. Um you know when that joke has it reached its perfect execution? The sexy voice joke was the Modern Family that Judy Greer was on. Where do you remember that? Uh uh-uh. uh Where? F- oh, dude! Like she was a friend of Phil's from college or something, 
and Phil thought they were just innocently messaging back and forth and <laughs> they meet up and she's trying to fuck him and uh, <laughs> he's like he's like what is happening you sent me those messages and she like takes out the phone and like starts reading them and she's reading them all like this how is your day how are you and he's like it's <laughs> like I didn't send them in a sexy voice he says something like that it's it's excellent i mean anything judy greer touches is typically good but um <laughs> i think that the the uh, I, I mean i don't know but i i think that the the easy defense the automatic defense to you saying or are you just saying that all women are just irredeemable power hungry manipulative beings it would be the the writer and director saying uh no we're saying that every single person is like that because everybody in this movie is is like that but still I think that teenage girls are a more vulnerable group <laughs> in the real world. And so maybe you can ease off and find a different way of telling your story. I mean, rightly, and like Gone Girl showed and endless movies and works of art, women are more intelligent than men. And <laughs> I think that it's fine to show that women can manipulate men to get them to do what they want. There's that Simpsons episode with, I think it's Brooke Shields is, uh, Jessica Lovejoy just completely manipulates Bart to do whatever she wants. <laughs> I, of course, it's it's innocent and fun because they're little kids, so it's stuff like you know doing her chores for her and stuff like that. Yes, that's true. You don't need to necessarily to portray because I looked it up. I thought she would have been like twenty or twenty two or something. Looks like she was seventeen at the time of the filming of this. Oh wow! So you can do that without necessarily. You could do that without having to bring sex into it really at all, or like to the graphic point that it's at in this yeah. movie i think it, that you know like when they're they're sitting ron livingston and her buddy are sitting uh you know at the it's at lunchtime and his friend is just describing that Rachel scene Wood. is gross it is gross right and uh, especially because he's proven right you know the movie proves him right not in that moment because in that moment you know he's like i bet you're talking about us and they're you know they're just having some innocent conversation but but by the end of the movie because of the way it portrays evan rachel wood it basically it's telling every guy that's like that guy that's watching the movie it's telling him yeah you're right you know this is what a 15 year old is like you know every time that you think that she's like using sex to manipulate you you're right when in reality it, it, odds are that that's extremely unlikely <laughs> odds are that that's not happening but this movie is is that's how it's portraying you know Evan Rachel Wood even up to a point uh Britney you know like she's supposed to be the innocent of the group but in the end she's also somebody that caves and manipulates and lies in order to get back to get back at adult men who who are sexualizing her so yeah it, it is again i don't know anything about these guys like these guys the, the, the writer and director so it's not even like when i when we watch and talk about a joe esterhouse movie where i can tell you oh yeah well this guy is just that's just his worldview this is just how he he sees the world that this is the kind of movies that he writes with these guys i don't know so given the benefit of the doubt i think that they came up with this really fun idea and they just plot it out and didn't really realize what it looks like in you know a bigger context maybe in 2005 it was even harder to see it i just know that in 2023 it's almost impossible not to see it <laughs> i was you know not to think about it and and it was also in my head because again you, you know i think that when we had that conversation about beautiful girls which is a movie that i like a lot but it was talking it out with you it was even like it became more apparent just like what the problems were there and then you see something like this and it's like it's like 10 times that 
I think you there's still things to be pieced together from this movie that could work. I find the story fascinating, despite like me thinking the ending just blows. Um, I think the performances are good. I think there's some really, really good comedy in it. I think there's some interesting points being made in some way. And reading the script for the people involved, I can imagine this kind of looked tantalizing and uh, a bit dangerous. Mm-hmm. But But there's still stuff in it that serves no purpose. The recollection of... Uh, her having sex with you know another boy that leads to like this bad reputation she gets like none of that really serves a purpose to this. It, it, the movie starts with uh Troy Nelson dating her friend. Now you don't really need to explain how that happened, and when you do, it adds this weird, overly sexual aspect to the story that's completely unnecessary. And you know. The, the way they talk to each other, the things they talk about and the wording that they choose. And then the whole Randa character, man. We didn't even talk about that of like, what is really the point of introducing this person that seems to be completely innocent other than if what you're trying to say is that everything that Kimberly touches or comes around dies or turns to shit. But then at the end, you know, she gets away with everything. It's and the Randa character, the brother that was killed in Iraq uh, or the Middle East. Um, that really, I guess, if you want to read deep enough into it, explains why James Woods and you know he's just checked out on life, that type of thing. Yeah, they give him that one moment where he walks into a room and he looks at the, yeah. like he picks up the portrait, the picture, and yeah. I was like, okay, well, you, you got to do more than that. <laughs> like, I see what you're trying to do, but he he plays that character so loudly that that moment doesn't, it almost feels like it belongs to a different movie. Because- and, and dude, that whole, it's just you, like that scene goes on so long. And to the point of like everything else, you know, maybe could happen that type of thing but that scene i refuse to believe in like an auditorium of 20 people no one stood up and was like hey what the fuck's going on here <laughs> and uh Ron Livingston was like shh, shh. <laughs> shh. quiet on set the door's locked it's closed windows are shut curtains are drawn you're all alone it's weird because like I'm thinking about the, like, when the movie was over, it it just like I really disliked the ending, but I thought there was some really, really funny stuff in this. And it felt it just like an experience like it was over. And if I never had to talk about this movie again, I'd probably have a better opinion of it than I do right now after talking about <laughs> some of this stuff with you. <laughs> the Randa character, I can see the purpose like dramatically, right? Because she's kind of like what we said in the first corner. She's a newcomer, so it gives us an excuse, uh, gives the movie an excuse to kind of show us the ropes with Evan Rachel Wood giving her the tour and everything. And then I think it might be the way I read it, especially because of the comments with her family and, and you know, they, they really lean hard on her being an immigrant. And so the idea that America is this corrupt place where that has this shiny exterior and attracts people but then once you get in there you are just 
corrupt. You know, easily, it's very easy for you to be corrupted and your life to be ruined, which is what happens to her. Uh, I mean, that's... I think that there's so much going on in the movie <laughs> that I mean I don't know it it it's a horrible thing for it to happen you know the, what what she does I don't know I mean do you think it's a better movie if she's not there or only I don't bit, know or if she doesn't That's... kill herself and um, I kind of like that she kills herself not not as in like oh that 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 was awesome but as in like it shows some real consequences for a lot of the shitty things that were happening. Yeah, that's the point. It that does show that, and that's why I was like so invested at that point. It's like, oh fuck, how's this gonna end? And then she just kind of gets away with it. <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay, no, I think the character's interesting and adds an interesting wrinkle to it. But then the way it plays out, it just felt superfluous, unnecessary. Um, you know what it should have been. Here is me rewriting rewriting pre persuasion like on the fly. Uh, it should just be two girls, not three. It should be uh, Randa and uh, Evan Rachel yes. Wood. And so then you give Randa the, the the Britney story. So she's like this newcomer to become friends. And then Evan Rachel Wood's boyfriend leaves her for the, the new girl. And Evan Rachel Wood plots this entire thing to get back at her. I would buy that a little more, maybe. Yeah, I like that. I think that's just generally the biggest issue with this. Is it tries to do too much? Love me some Jackie Jorp Jump, but there's almost literally no purpose for Jenna Maroney's character in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just so that she can. It's just so that even Rachel Wood can survive the, you know, still become a star. Yeah, and, yeah, but that's not. Yeah, she doesn't really get much to do. I just remember because we're talking about Britney. Britney has the best moment in the movie. Yeah, because it felt like it. It was part of a better movie, and it was giving me what I needed from the movie, which is at the end of that really awkward scene at uh, at the auditorium or whatever. You gonna stay here and act like a professional, or are you going to run and cry like a little girl? I am a little girl, you fucking pervert! You know, that's a moment of, like, that's what the movie should have been about. <laughs> but it's like the, the movie makes that statement in that moment and then kind of forgets about it or ignores it well i'm sorry julio but that's not the best part in the movie what is the best part of the movie selma blair no i'm just kidding um (laughs) selma blair uh, reading that note being completely uh unaware that her husband is be getting really turned on uh well what's great about that too is because selma blair is such a great actress she's so profoundly unsexy doing that and he's just like oh god (laughs) I'm going to come in my pants. Um, <laughs> the best part in the movie, Julio, is when <laughs> his friend, what's his name? The guy who becomes his lawyer, oh. the fucking idiot, Roger, when he's explaining to him what they're going to do to beat it, where they are going to say that one of his arms is dead. And when they say that he groped one of the girls with whatever arm, he's going to throw a um, a glass of water at him and he's going to catch that yep. with his other arm to show that, you know, that arm doesn't work. And someone Blair goes, you're an idiot. <laughs> and then later when it's actually at the trial, he's getting ready for his cross-examination. He stands up and he has this glass of water. And he just <laughs> drinks it really slowly. He's like... <laughs> Ah, that's good. And you can see it coming, and it's so fucking great. And he walks up, and he asks the girl, uh, now, which hand did you say he fondled you with? And she goes, both hands. 
and he just like <laughs> looks at Ron Livingston like, you know, our donkey's in a ditch, and then he goes, no further questions, and just <laughs> walks away. Uh, this movie has a lot of that, uh, which is something I appreciate, the the constant because of the way it plays with time but also just the the big disgusting joke that they we reference at the moment where the juror laughs is because they repeat the joke like that evan rachel wood makes really early in the movie i i actually i don't think the joke is funny but i think it's funny that randall laughs and then evan rachel wood says don't laugh it's offensive to your people Uh, and, and, and then they bring it back you know it's like they could have been it but they, they bring it back in a way that it's not funny the joke is not funny again but what is funny is that there is one asshole in the jury that that finds it funny <laughs> i i meant what i said in contrarian's corner i thought i'd like legit belly laughed when they do the thing of the flashback of britney saying i don't do well under pressure and then it goes <laughs> and we're back and she immediately breaks like i thought that was really funny and then the cocktails i thought that was also <laughs> fantastic the shot of james woods asleep and waking himself up by his snoring in the court that that (laughs) was probably the hardest i laughed in the movie (laughs) so so real talk james woods does it get in the way of you appreciating his performance no i mean we can joke and it's easy to Mm -hmm. (laughs) saying hey it was just you know he didn't know camera was on this isn't like a Forrest Gump type role this isn't something that people are going to watch and think like you're just this incredible person and he goes all in on it completely like um, to the point of almost dwarfing everyone else with how good of an actor he is it's a shame it's a shame that you know not that he didn't do this more but like like I said earlier like I wish we still had him being able to give like this level of performance and something. Um, Cause I, I do think he's actually really great in it. Obviously a, a horrible person, but you know, Jeremy Renner's good in the town too, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that I, the, the first monologue when his first scene, he comes on so strong and, uh, and in my case, I, th- I, I it has to be that the, the James Woods persona kind of influenced me. But I was like, I don't know that I can do this. Not that, like as far as the movie, but as, as far as like taking his character seriously, it just felt like the movie and the actor were trying really hard to push my buttons. But then as the movie went on, I think I kind of like, I just, I got used to it maybe, or it just so much in the movie is trying to push your buttons that. It you know it feels a little more of a piece, but it's kind of like what you're saying because corner. You know when he first shows up, that's even though we've seen a lot of like pretty uh, I want to say bold, but you know like very uh, uh, risque like jokes and whatever. His arrival, it's just that with the movie just goes completely on PC. Maybe want Chinese food because that Chinese food they were eating looked fucking delicious. <laughs> I don't know, man. He looks so gross. Oh, yeah. Real real gross, man. When they were, you know, explaining... Because the movie, you know, jumps back and forth in time. So I remember there's a moment where... I think so far we've seen the story play out linearly. And then it cuts to... It might even say like one month later. And then the first thing we see is Britney storming out and Evan Rachel Wood coming in, you know, to console her. And then they reference... 
something, but we don't know at the time what what has happened. I think it's pretty clear that they talk about Ron Livingstone. So, did you figure out what was happening before the movie told told us? Like, you know, that did you? I guess did you think that Ron Livingstone before everything is revealed? Did you think that Ron Livingstone was actually uh, guilty? Uh, I thought the movie did a pretty good job of establishing he wasn't guilty of what they were saying, but he was also like not a a dude to be trusted. It's not the guy and you want teaching your kids. No, no. Even like I just said, like you don't. The only people you should be doing that move to where you put two fingers under their chin and lift it up to make eye contact with you is like a romantic partner, <laughs> not not a student. And then to make it worse, you close the blinds. <laughs> Oh, dude, yeah. That whole thing is like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> what kind of a country are we living in when a trio of little tramps can besmirch an innocent man's name with completely fabricated accusations? All right, so w- where do you land here? Like You said it was going to be four stars, and then the ending happened. Yes, and then this conversation happened, so it's probably going <laughs> to... When the task comes where I log this on Letterbox, it's probably going to be like three stars. So I'm like C plus. And again, I'm sorry, Ben, but if I was talking to someone about this movie, I would say, you know, it's a better version of that. A much better version is Thoroughbreds. <laughs> I really, it's funny. I, I'm not going to say that this raised my score much, but it did raise it a little bit only because recounting the things that work, like the things that made me laugh, it, it, you got to give it credit. Like these guys... There is like talented storytelling, you know, yes, techniques, and the, the really good comedy writing in this in some parts. Yeah, I just think that morally, <laughs> there's a serious problem. Uh, so I'm gonna give it, oh, fuck it. Sorry, Ben, I'm gonna give it one and a half stars. It was one, whoa, it was one. And oh, a, I, I maybe I haven't conveyed like how troubled I was while watching this. It was, it really like bothered me. Maybe I, I just my my opinion of humanity has like lowered even more over yeah. the past few years, and I was just that's my my main thing. It's like we don't need this type of movie. This movie, in the long run, makes more harm than than good, because there will be idiot men that will watch this movie and feel like nod their heads in agreement and feel justified and feel uh, oh yeah more empowered to sexualize teenagers in real life. And I know that that's not the intent behind the movie, but I think that you have to be mindful of the world that you're releasing your movie into. And We live in a time where people think Joker's deep and has a lot to say. (laughs) Should be a conflicted movie if it came out today with James Woods. You know, he's like one of the celebrated far-right actors mm-hmm. but this would also be perceived as you know sexualizing children which is a big thing for the right wing so uh it should be for everybody but they get particularly some things they don't understand <laughs> and <laughs> th- like this would be a perfect example of like again i'm not defending the storytelling choices to this but be like do you get, do you understand do you know what satire is do you know what that word means <laughs> yeah and that's fine. I mean, I again, I understand the purpose behind it. I just don't think that. I think what you and I have definitively come to the conclusion of, at least for you and I, and I feel proven through this, is you with election kind of being the one that we both kind of came to the middle on of like, you can tell stories like this and not 
feel like dirty when it's over. There's ways to make movies that don't have to fucking feed on and subsist on. Okay, well, what's the next big swerve that we can have in the movie that's going to be really shocking? Like that type of thing. So, you know, pick your spots. You got to pick your battles. Because, again, I, I think there's some good stuff in this movie. But, unfortunately, it takes a really good cast and some interesting ideas and ends up not even falling flat, but falling to the side of, like, maybe like, well, let's, let's, let's recheck things here. But, still, I... Based on our scores, liked it twice as much as you did. Three star, <laughs> three stars versus one and a half. Maybe just caught me at a you know, it was particularly sensitive. Maybe when I watched it, I don't know. It's been, it's been a long week. It's been a long month. Roger Ebert said it was daring and well acted, but also said it exists uneasily somewhere between comedy and satire. And I think exists uneasily is a good way to describe <laughs> this movie. Why I deserve to be punished. Uh, uh, you, you read out loud. Oh, just to close, because I told Ben I would mention this on the on the show. I said I would explain on the show, because when he sent it, I told him, hey, I've watched the first 10 minutes of that movie. And he said, what do you mean? How did that happen? And so it's there's it's actually there's no big story it's not that i watched 10 minutes and i quit it was that back in october when i was looking for hitchcock movies you know i did a hitchcock search on peacock and uh you know i got all the hitchcock movies they had and pre-persuasion showed up too and i was like well i know that's having rachel wood so there's no way that this is a an alfred hitchcock movie (laughs) but i i i started playing it just to see what the hell was going on and then i realized that I think it's Michael Hitchcock. He's an actor and he's in the movie. Uh, He's in the credits. So that's why it turned up on the search results, just because of Michael Hitchcock. Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah. I think he plays the principal. I think that's the. Yeah. Mr. Mayor. Yeah. So uh, that's why. But then as I was watching it, I am 50% sure that this is a movie that my friend Corey, who you've met uh, back when we lived together, I think this is a movie that he. He might have put on at some point when we were drinking because I it seemed familiar. Obviously, I didn't remember any of the plot, any of the characters, but I remember Evan Rachel Wood being a a conniving teenager, <laughs> and so that's I must have been really drunk because I don't remember anything else. I mean, maybe we didn't we didn't even finish it, you know. Uh, but so in a way, I guess I've kind of like seen parts of this movie twice before I actually sat down and watched the whole thing. I feel that this blurb on its Wikipedia page is a good one to close on. So let's just do that. The plot primarily focuses on sexual harassment accusations within a school system, as well as the repercussions of one 15-year-old girl's actions. But the film also makes commentary on many other social issues in contemporary American culture as well, many of them being controversial. Some of the topics that are commented on include racism, ignorance, discrimination, gender identity, homosexuality, intolerance, immigration, teenage behavior, suicide, parenting, deceit, narcissism, and fascination with celebrity status and the entertainment industry. Whether or not the commentary is conducive to any intelligent discussion is debatable. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
It's, All right. Well, whatever the case, Ben, you know we love you and we appreciate that, dude. That's I'd rather done this than something I'd seen twenty times before. So you know, covered new ground and uh, took away some good jokes and probably a couple things that I will quote with Julio uh, for years to come. <laughs> yeah, if I ever if I ever feel like you're laughing a little too much, I will tell you, no, don't laugh. It's offensive to your people. <laughs> Uh, I'll, next time I see, I'll try to I'll uh, try to throw a glass bottle at you and see what happens. <laughs> no further question. <laughs> All right. Well, that was pre-persuasion, Alex. Coming up next, guess what? We're going back to Mount Rushmore asterisk. Yes. Are you ready for? Man, is this gonna be Kate Winslet's official contrarian zip? No, no, no. We did Titanic. Never mind. Okay. Of course. Yeah, no, but this is a adult Kate Winslet uh, official debut on the Contrarians. Labor Day. Whew. If you thought that Kate Winslet had off the charts chemistry with uh, with Leo, just wait until you see that the sparks between her and Josh Brolin. That's all I'm gonna say. From the guy that brought you Juno up in the air and young adult comes Labor Day. So I don't remember because I've, you know, I've only seen it once. It was a long time ago, but I don't remember if it's like the holiday Labor Day or the day she goes into labor. <laughs> it could be either. Oh, shit. I forget. But it's uh, it's odd. It's a it's an odd film, but it's less than two hours <laughs> and it was a January release. So I think that tells you pretty much what you need to know. All right. I'll take it. That's coming up next. Alex, get us out of here. All right. So we'll start off by giving thanks to the festive years who provide our opening and closing tracks. They kick us off with Last Stand, take us home with Summer of 99. Be sure to head over to thefestiveyears.com for any and all festive years needs. Our friend and fellow podcaster, Hans Rothieser, is the man behind our logo, behind all the graphics on our Patreon page, our web page, our merch page, any page that has a contrarian on it you'll see a logo that's been made by hands if you like it if you like a logo of your own uh, designed by him contact him he's on twitter at mildemonios m-i-l-d-e-m-o-n-i-o-s or you can email him mildemonios at hotmail.com or you can check his webpage mildemonios.pe where he has information about his other projects all the books that he's written uh, and his two podcasts Nación Combi which is about Peruvian current affairs and Marginal which is about economy Hans, thank you for all your support. Be sure to head over to LateNightGrin.com for any and all pro wrestling podcasting needs. There's sure a hell whole of a lot going on right now in the world of pro wrestling, and Joe and the boys over there have you covered. Every once in a while, I'll talk about movies as well. Uh, I'll be on with them again here another week or so. Uh, LateNightGrin.com. And also, the support and work of Ms. Zoe Perez cannot be praised enough. Our social media guru social media czar facebook.com slash contrarian prime uh, instagram at contrarian prime youtube.com slash at contrarian prime uh, we got our social media game up and popping and that's because uh, of zoe and the work she puts in makes all our stuff look real nice real pretty real professional so zoe keep up the good work we do greatly appreciate it and as always we greatly appreciate well one ben our wonderful patron that brought this to us and also each and every one of you that tuned in for this episode we thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of the contrarians where we're right and you're wrong and we will catch you next time
summer of 1999.